I remarked to Pastor as the praise team was practicing that their choice of songs this morning was impeccable. And uh, I understand that they chose these songs the beginning of this week, end of last week, and had no idea what I was preaching uh, today, but it was impeccable. I want to let somebody know as they sang in the first song, every high thing must and will come down. There is power to bring those high things down. There is a place of freedom, and it's called Grace Church this morning. And I believe that somebody is going to taste the freedom of the Holy Ghost this morning. And I'm excited about the prospect of somebody leaving here different than the way you came. Hallelujah. If you're excited about Jesus, just give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Oh, glory. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm fired up. I'm excited. I may holler and scream, guys, in the sound booth. You may have to turn me down. It is my nature to be loud. Ask my wife. If you have your Bible this morning, or if you would like to follow along on the screens, we're going to read a setting out of Mark chapter 9, verses 17 through 27. It's a very familiar story to all of us this morning, but hopefully I would... Uh, like to to delve into it maybe in a different way and use it as a launching pad uh, for the message that I would like to preach to us. The Bible says in verse 17, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son which hath a dumb spirit. There's a lot to say right there. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnashes with his teeth, and he pineth away. And I spake to thy, to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long, ago, uh, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit And he said unto them, Thou deaf, or thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. Everybody say, no more. more. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. I want to title this this morning. I am anticipating... I am expecting God to do something great in this service today. I am, I am, there's no doubt in my mind it's going to happen. So if you will allow me this morning to title this anything, I would like to title it, Have You Met My Jesus? Have You Met My Jesus? Everybody turn around, shake somebody's hand and say, I'm going to get with the preacher today and we're going to have a mighty move of God In the Holy Ghost today. Praise the Lord. God bless you then. You may be seated. When Christy and I were on our honeymoon, we were eating in a very small locally owned restaurant in the town that we celebrated our honeymoon in. It had previously been a house. It had been converted, remodeled, and it only held about 20 tables. It was a very small, small place. And We had been told some excellent things about the food and the atmosphere in that very small restaurant, and so we were looking forward to a very nice meal. Seated at a table nearby us, we noticed a young boy about six or seven years old who was obviously with his grandparents, and the little boy, like so many, was full of energy. He talked quite loud. He was using his fork and his spoon, his drumsticks on the table, He was just a bad little boy. Most of you know what I'm talking about. 
This little boy was literally disturbing every person in the restaurant. No one in that restaurant was enjoying their meal. The grandparents repeatedly corrected him with no results. His grandmother, you could tell she was becoming increasingly aggravated and told him many, many times to sit down. And finally, this one time she said, sit down. And he looked at her and he said, I don't have to sit down, stupid. Instantly, the color drained out of her face. And she placed her napkin down. And she put her fork down. And she stood up. And that little grandson knew instantly that Grandma had had enough. She, he dove under the table and she went in after him. She picked him up off of the ground by one arm, literally, and marched him to the restroom and proceeded to stage an intervention with his backside. While the entire restaurant got to hear it, and mentally we were all applauding Grandma. In fact, a few of us would like to go in there and help out a little bit. She walked him back to the table, sat him down, and it was amazing that this little boy that had been so bad was a perfect angel, the remainder of the meal. So what happened that changed the course of this little boy's uh, uh, actions was that grandmother had had enough. She reached a place, a moment of no more. I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. And after her intervention, I'm telling you, it was amazing what that moment can do. All of us in this place have had no doubt a no more moment. It's that moment when you've drawn the line in the sand and then it gets crossed. You've had all that you're going to take and it's time now to react. No doubt for some of you here this morning, your spouse has seen your no more moment. When you're not acting right or in my case, I say something stupid and, and wrong and uh, she has to have an intervention with me. She has that no more moment. Our children have seen no more moments out of us where we've reached the end of the line where you tell them a hundred times and they don't listen. And it's time then to react. It's that no more moment. It's the look on your face, the tone of your voice. It's just that time when you reach a place that's called no more. I'm not going to tolerate this no more. I know that's not proper English possibly, but we're just not going to do it. In our text that we read today, in Mark chapter 9, it tells the story of a father who brought his son to Jesus. The father is desperate. His son has been possessed by this devil since he was a child. And he has done uh, everything he could do to deal with this devil. It has wreaked havoc on his child, on his family. The devil had tried to destroy the boy, throwing him into the water, throwing him into the fire. The, water, the, the father had done everything he knew to do. He had tried to live with this devil and it didn't work. He tried to accept the fact that this devil was a part of their life and it didn't work. He tried to solve it, no doubt, himself, but it didn't work. He even tried a religious encounter with the disciples, but it brought no results. Pastor said last week that Satan is an adversary that cannot be and should not be underestimated. Everybody in this place at some point in your life, you're going to have a rendezvous moment with the devil. But hold on. He will seek to destroy a child. He would, he would destroy a child just as soon as an adult. The Bible, even in this story, does not record everything that the father had experienced with this child being possessed with a, with a devil. But and no doubt it wasn't the father's fault. It shouldn't have happened maybe to this little boy. But that's just how the devil works. It doesn't matter to the devil who you are. It doesn't matter your baggage. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter who your parents were. He seeks to destroy all. But this father reached a place called no more. He cried out to Jesus, Lord, I believe. 
but help my belief. If you can help us, then I pray in God that you would help us. And you can almost hear the aggravation and the frustration in Jesus' voice when he speaks to this devil. Thou deaf and dumb spirit, I charge thee, come out of here and enter no more into him. And the devil is cast out. The story that the father told pushed Jesus over the edge. It pushed him over the line with this devil. Not only did he cast the devil out, but Jesus issued an ultimatum. He said, devil, you can never bother this little boy again. You can never possess him again. You can never trouble him again. You can never occupy him again. As long as this boy lives, you don't have the power to come against him because I'm telling you, you can enter him no more. I find it striking that Jesus did not issue this order or this ultimatum in any other time in the Bible records him casting out many devils. Jesus had reached a place with this devil attacking a child of no more. He didn't want the devil to fool with this boy anymore. No more was that devil going to have power over his life. And there are those here today that you have lived a long time, maybe even since you were a child, with a devil wreaking havoc in your life. And it may not be your fault. It may not be uh, something that you did. It may be unjust that it happened to you, but nevertheless it is your reality. There are some here today that are battling the spirit of infirmity and it has you been over. There's some that have the spirit of fear and it has you paralyzed. The spirit of intimidation may torment you. The spirit of disease may be trying to devour your body. The spirit of depression may be trying to devour your emotions and have you down. Your past may seem like a weight and it's been throwing you in the fire and it's been troubling you and it's been throwing you in the water and you feel like I'm just trying to keep my head above water. But I say to you today that grace is a place of no more after today it's the it's the line any more after this cannot happen because you are delivered uh, by the power that's in the name of Jesus hallelujah I feel like somebody's going to get delivered today I feel like somebody is going to have a rendezvous moment with God and God's going to look at that devil that has plagued you and that has bothered you and say hey guess what devil no more no more after today and you'll walk out of here a changed person No more after today will the voices from your your past speak to your future. No more will your failures define your destiny. No more will fear determine what you accomplish or don't accomplish. No more will sickness steal your faith. Uh, And when you're thrown in the fire, you will be able to walk through that fire with one that is like the Son of God. And when you're thrown in the water, you will grab Jesus by His hand uh, and He'll pull you up uh, and you'll walk on top of that water with Him uh, because God has reached a place of no more with the devil in your life. I want again to remind somebody of the message that Pastor preached last week. If God is for me, I want us to understand who's on our side. I want us to really get it in our mind uh, who's on our side. He is the creator of all the universe. Uh, He is the creator of all mankind. Uh, There is nothing you can face. Uh, There's no problem you can come against uh, that God cannot create the solution if it does not exist. If God be for you, then nothing can be against you. You are unstoppable. You are unbeatable. You are indestructible because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world this nameless father that we uh, read about just a few moments ago he brought the devil to Jesus I find that amazing he didn't go get Jesus and said Jesus would you come over here and take care of my son at my house because he's possessed with a devil but he took the devil and he says Jesus uh, here's a devil in my boy and I want you to take care of it I wonder today if somebody in this place uh, feels like you've been facing a spirit a trial a circumstance uh, that is spiritual if you could stand up this morning and look that devil in the face uh, and say devil have you met my Jesus Uh, devil have you met my 
God, Jesus. Hallelujah. There's people here today. You've been fighting spirits too long. It's time to say, devil, have you met my Jesus? God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to get victory today. Somebody needs to hear it. Somebody needs to hear it. Hallelujah. But maybe it's not the power of Satan that's been your problem. Maybe Satan has already been defeated in your life. Maybe the challenge that you face is a giant. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, probably the most familiar story other than the crucifixion in this building is David and Goliath. The children of Israel were fighting the Philistines. David, a young shepherd boy, was sent to bring food to his brothers. As he entered the camp, he heard the voice of the giant Goliath calling for someone to fight. The army of Israel was cowering in fear. They knew that Goliath would defeat them so easily. But there was a spirit that began to churn inside of David. It was a spirit that he was familiar with. It was one that he knew it was the spirit of God because he had felt it many times before. One time when he killed a lion and another time when he killed a bear. And David entered into a place called no more. I'm not going to listen to this guy anymore. You're not going to defy my God anymore. You're not going to defy my nation anymore. You're not going to rule over us anymore. You're not going to intimidate me anymore. You're not going to cause me to sit back and do nothing anymore. And the Bible records in 1 Samuel 17 and 32 that David, a young boy that most commentaries believe was between 12 and 16 years old, went and told the king, I will go fight. David didn't accept King Saul's armor. He just went down to the brook and he picked up five smooth stones. It's significant that he picked up five. He only needed one. But those five smooth stones, they represent J-E-S-U-S. In other words, David went and got Jesus. David went and got Jesus. Goliath was outfitted with a shield, with a sword, and a spear. But listen to what David said in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest unto me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast to fight. I went and picked up Jesus, Goliath. I'm not coming at you alone, but I got Jesus with me, and I'm fixing to show you something, and I'm fixing to defeat a giant in my life. Hallelujah. Where the devil was brought to Jesus, David took Jesus to the giant. David took Jesus to the giant, and there are people here this morning. Maybe you're not fighting the devil, but you're fighting the giant. A giant will enter into everyone's life at some point. They loom large in front of us, blocking our vision, blocking the promised land in front of us, blocking our future, and it's hard to make forward progress. We can face giants of guilt. We can face giants of worry. We can face giants of distraction. We can face giants of hurt. We can face giants of stress. We can face giants of addiction. Just to name a few, complacency is a giant that we face sometimes. I would like for the sake of this message to define the word giant is anything that you can't conquer yourself. You need the power of God. You need the name of God. You need the blood of God to be applied to your life to defeat this giant. The armies of Israel were afraid to face Goliath. They saw him as unbeatable. And their fear of losing the war with the Philistines was overpowered by their fear of losing the battle with Goliath. I want to say that again because I want you to hear it. 
their fear of losing the war was overpowered by their fear of losing the battle. I would to God this morning that our fear of staying enslaved by our giant would become greater than our fear of failure in fighting the giant. In other words, I wish that our fear of fighting our giant, whatever it is that looms in front of us, would be diminished by our fear and the terror of staying like this the rest of our life. For some of us, it's time for us to face the giant and reach a place and say, no more. You're not going to bother me anymore. I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I'm not going to be intimidated anymore. But I'm going to face the giant in front of me because my fear of moving forward has overpowered my fear of fighting my giant just as it was for David the only thing that stands between us and the place that God has for us is in, the, in his kingdom is an overgrown giant he's loud and he's boisterous and he speaks big words and he's got a big spirit he's got a big shield and we're intimidated and we're afraid but we've got a bigger God Someone here this morning, please listen. I know I may be speaking to just one or two, but somebody here this morning needs to enter a place called No More and confront your giant and ask that giant, have you met my Jesus? Uh, Because I'm bringing him to you. I'm not coming against you alone, uh, but I stopped down at the brook uh, and I picked something up uh, and because of what I picked up, uh, he's going to defeat you uh, and he's going to use me to defeat you. I want to remind somebody here this morning, I want to tell you, please listen, you are victorious. Not because of you, but because of our God. Hallelujah to God. Have you met my Jesus? You are victorious. If you don't fight the giant for yourself, if you don't fight the giant for yourself, there is another motivation for defeating your giant. Your family. Some of you are looking at me and I'm not sure if you're listening or you're wondering. David, the Bible records, was the first giant killer. In the Bible, it is recorded that he killed the first giant ever killed. But I want to point out here this morning something you may not know. He was not the last giant killer. In 2 Samuel 21, the Bible lists the four giants that were killed after David killed Goliath for a total of five. And it records the last giant was killed by a man named Jonathan who was the nephew of King David. In other words, David taught some people in his family how to be giant killers. They saw him do it. They heard the story about David killing his giant. And they said, you know what? If old Uncle David can do it, then I can do it. If Uncle David can kill his giant, then I can kill my giant. I want to tell you this morning, your kids are dependent on you, mom and dad, to kill your giant because they look at you and they see you and that's how they know they can kill theirs is because somebody did it for them. It showed them the way. We know that our children learn today. We know that children learn by observation. Your kids learn by observation. They watch you. I've heard teachers, Sunday school teachers, over the years say, you'll never believe what comes out of some kid's mouth. We'll let you in on a secret. It is easy to determine your family's barometer by talking to your children. Because they're going to tell you what really happens. Kind of reminds me the story about the minister that went over to a family's house after Sunday church to have dinner. That used to happen. They don't anymore. Getting hit. So the minister gets there and he knocks on the door and the little eight-year-old boy 
opens the door and he says, come on in, Reverend. Mom and Dad's in the back. They're, they're getting changed. They'll be out in just a few minutes. And the pastor looks at him and says, son, do you know what we're having for lunch? And he said, yes, sir. We're having turkey. Because Mom and Dad said, let's have the old turkey for dinner. Children learn by observation. So if your children are ever going to be giant killers, they need mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and uncle so-and-so and aunt so-and-so to become giant killers. They need to see you defeat what's standing in front of you and taunting you and saying, I'm unbeatable and I'm indestructible and you can't beat me. And they need to see you say, well, you know what? Maybe I can't, but I picked up Jesus down by the brook uh, and now I'm here to defeat you and I'm going to destroy you. Their kids, your family needs to see you become a giant killer. It's time for the children of God to understand that we have been given five smooth stones uh, in the name of Jesus uh, and we can stand and face our giant and declare I come at you in the name of the Lord and you are defeated swing that stone and let it go and let God find its mark and knock him out and I don't mean just a knockout, but I mean the death punch I mean that place where you say giant no more are you going to bother me no more will you intimidate me because of what God has done Goliath didn't challenge anybody anymore after he met David. He couldn't. Somebody here today needs to tell their problem. No more. Somebody needs to tell their situation. No more. Somebody needs to tell their addiction. No more. You're just not going to bother me anymore. I've got God on my side, and if he is for me, you can't be against me. And if you will become a giant killer, it will change your family. It will change your home. It will change your marriage. It will change your job. It will change your outlook. It will change your thought process. It will change your mind. It will change your future. It will change your eternity. And your family is worth every ounce of effort it would take to defeat that giant. But perhaps this morning, it's not Satan's power in your life. It's been defeated. And maybe you have faced down your giant. Maybe the challenge that you face is different. You may be one that's facing the crowd. In Malachi chapter 4 verse 2, there's an incredible prophecy given. And there's more in this verse than, than I ever would have time to explain in a service. But the Bible says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Everybody say healing in his wings. This scripture in Malachi inspired one of the most well-known miracles in Jesus' ministry. The healing of the woman with the issue of blood. She had heard no doubt all her life being a Jewish woman in the synagogues. No doubt the priest and, and uh, the scribes and all had had expounded on this scripture enough times in her ears to understand that when, he's, when the Bible prophesies in Malachi that there would be healing in his wings, that that was literally the fringe or the edge of his prayer shawl. That as Jesus wore that shawl, that this the fringe area, the, that, 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 uh, the cords that hung down would contain the healing virtue of God. And so she had heard that all of her life. And the Bible bears this out in Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 29. The Bible says, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, 
and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but grew uh, but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment why for she said if i may touch but his clothes i shall be whole where did she get that from malachi that there would be healing in his wings. And the Bible says straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. This woman stood staring at Jesus as he made his way down the road. And in between her and Jesus was a crowd. But her faith in God's word, her faith in God's word had set her, her free from the spirits of fear and worry. The giants of shame and humiliation had been defeated. And now all that separated her from where she was and her problem is to where she wanted to be and her delivery and her victory was that of a crowd. Now I will tell you this morning that crowds are made up of spectators. They're not there to engage Jesus. They just want to be a good witness. I had a sheriff's trooper, I mean a a state trooper one day. I was doing a defensive driving course and he said, we all, all of law enforcement needs a good witness. Somebody that doesn't participate, somebody that doesn't get involved, but is just there to see everything happen. And that's what the crowd does. I'm not going to participate in your life. I'm not going to get involved in your life. I'm not going to promote you in your life. But I will be a good witness to everything that Jesus does. The crowd doesn't always intend to be a problem, but they very seldom help. The crowd can be family, can be friends, it can be strangers. Even the thoughts of our mind can become so crowded, we don't even know what to believe. The crowd will tell you things like you can't make it, you can't do it, you're not good enough, you might as well just quit and stop trying. The crowd will make you carnal, it will make you worldly, and you'll miss your greatest encounter with God. But this woman, she reached a place called No More. She launched herself into that crowd, and with a single focus, she discovered one of the great things of of the Bible, that the crowd is movable. The crowd is movable. And I pray today, I hope today, I trust today that someone in this place would stop listening to the crowd as you make your way to Jesus and stop letting the crowd tell you that you're all that you will ever be and don't let your mind tell you that you don't deserve God's best. If the crowd says that living for God isn't good, then push through the crowd. If the crowd says you're destined for failure, then push through the crowd. If the crowd says church isn't necessary, then push through the crowd. If the crowd says righteousness isn't right, then push through the crowd. If the crowd says you're not anything, then push through the crowd. If the crowd says you're a failure, then push through the crowd. The crowd is movable. You don't have to be bound down. You don't have to be put down by what other people think of you and their thoughts and their opinions of you. Everybody here, say I'm awesome. Now I want everybody here to say it like you really believe it. Say I'm awesome. Because you're awesome. Because you're a child of God. And he's an awesome God. And he don't make mistakes. He don't make blunders. He didn't mess up when he created you. You are awesome. This isn't in my notes. But I'll tell you anyway. I read a book a few weeks ago. And the guy made a statement in that book that has just really revolutionized my little brain and the way it thinks. You weren't created, and then God says, oh, I've got to find something to do with you and created a purpose for you to do or you to accomplish. That's not how that works. God had a purpose that he needed accomplished, and so he created you to do it. And he has already given you everything you need to accomplish that purpose. Your talents, your skills, 
your ability, your intelligence, your personality, everything about you is everything that God needs to fulfill some great big dream that he has for your life. We just need to push through the crowd and say, no more am I going to deal with this. No more are you going to have me down. You're not going to tell me I'm not a child of God because I've been blood-bought. I heard myself when I spoke in tongues. I remember when I went down in the water. I remember repenting. I know that I'm a child of God and you're not going to tell me different. This woman not only became a crowd pusher, and I want you to understand that, but she became a crowd mover. There's a difference. She pushed through the crowd. Then, after her miracle, she moved the crowd. She became a crowd mover. Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. And I want you to see this. And he came down with them, talking about Jesus. And he stood in the plain in the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and all of Jerusalem from the sea coast of Tyre and to Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And I want you to listen now. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for they went out, uh, for there went virtue out of him and he healed them all have you ever heard that before that touching him caused virtue to flow out of him and they got healed is there anybody ever heard that before? Doesn't it kind of remind you of this woman with the issue of blood? That there was a multitude that saw her push through a crowd and touch Jesus and get healed. And they said, if she can do that, then maybe I can do that. And maybe oh, Uncle Joe can do that. And Uncle Bob can do that. And Aunt Sally can do that. And the Bible says the multitude, they came out of Tyre. They came out of Sidon. They came out of Jerusalem and all the coast of Judea. And they went down to touch him because they knew if they could touch him they could be healed and they knew that because the woman moved the crowd and I want you to know this morning you are a crowd mover say I'm a crowd mover thank you her determination caused her to push through the crowd but her faith moved the crowd We see the scripture setting that the whole multitude wanted to touch his garments so that they could be healed. The entire nation should have had faith because it was recorded in Malachi chapter 4. But it took one ordinary woman to move the multitude because she stepped out on faith. I want to tell you this morning, God wants to use ordinary crowd pushers to become extraordinary crowd movers and to accomplish the supernatural in your home, in your family and in our community. The devil is cast out by the name of Jesus. The giant is defeated by the name of Jesus. But this crowd is moved by an example of a woman with faith. Uh, Jesus was the perfect example of God and his attributes manifested to humanity and we're supposed to be like him. So in my opinion, we should live like God wants our family and our friends and our world to become. If we'll live like what we want them to be, then they can become like us because we can move the crowd. If we want them delivered, if you want your family delivered, if you want your friends delivered, then you need to be delivered. Well, I got a few amens. Do we still really believe it? Could it be that God has been waiting on this day to deliver you and to heal you so it could impact the crowd? Why would we sit there right now doubting doubting and, and not having faith that today is my day of miracle. Today is my day of deliverance. Today is my day to defeat my giant so that somebody else can follow my example. 
If we want others healed, then we need to be healed. If we want them saved, then we need to be saved. If we want them to be overcomers, we need to be overcomers. If we want them to love God, then we, want, we need to love God. If we want them positive, we need to be positive. This is not the time for the church to doubt. It's not time for the church to question, to debate, to argue, to give up, give in, give out, or quit. It is time to become crowd movers and move our world and move our community and move our families and move our homes and move our children closer to God and show them that they can have the deliverance they need. I want to let you know this morning, the world is not hopeless, contrary to what the news will tell you. Over the last few days, I don't watch the news, I don't listen to the news, and I don't read the news. I catch a few headlines and that's it. It's depressing. For those that watch the news and hear it, I will tell you that the world, the news will paint a picture of a hopeless world. I've had people tell me, pardon my expression, but the world's going to hell in a handbasket. But I want to tell you, no, it's not. I want to say the world does not have to go to hell in a handbasket because there is a church of the living God that can be a crowd mover and we can move the world. We can change the course of the world. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, our country is not finished. Louisiana is not too far gone. Central is not a lost cause because they may be moving backwards. But I want to tell you they're moving and all the church has to do is change the direction of their movement. If you and I as believers of the one true God will step out on faith, go ahead and do it, honey. Go ahead and step out on faith and try to reach your neighbor. Well, Brother Merrill, they're not open to the gospel. They're bitter. They don't have anything to do with the Bible. I can tell you that. I can just tell by talking to them. But inside... They may be crying out. They may be hurting desperately for somebody to give them just a little shred of hope and tell them, guess what? The news may be gloomy, but I've got a Bible that's not gloomy. I've got a God that's not gloomy. I've got a future that's not gloomy. I'm going to a heaven where the sun shines all the time, and I can't wait to get there. If we'll believe in the word of God and engage the power of the name of Jesus, we'll move the crowd forward. We'll move them forward. We do have influence in our, in our community, in our families, our home. Yes, you do. You have influence on your job. We have influence in the community. And Grace Church is continuing to build influence in our community. You want to know why we feed Central Middle School? Build an influence. You want to know why we host special community services? We're building influence. Our, our, governor, our mayor that just walked left office and the new mayor coming in office, they love to have things here at Grace. They love it. Building influence. Our police chief, we're building influence. We've had people running for uh, Senate and Congress here and judges, we've had them here. We're building influence. And we need to build influence because we can use that influence to begin to move our society and move our government and move this nation to a place closer to God. It's not over. It's not hopeless. We are crowd movers. We have taken the devil to Jesus. We have taken Jesus to the giant. Now we need to show the crowd the way to Jesus. They don't need a weak and anemic church. They need a church on fire. They need a church passionate. They need a church in love with God. They need a church that will show up for prayer. They need a church that will fast. They need a church that will model to them what Christianity is and love the unlovable and hug the unhuggable and give to the ungivable. So, this morning, I say that grace as a church As a congregation of people, we can say to the crowd, have you met my Jesus? 
You can say it to your neighbor, have you met my Jesus? You can say it to your old backslidden uncle, cousin, aunt, brother, sister, whatever the case is, have you met my Jesus? That person on the job that you really don't like. Some of you smiled because their face just popped up in your mind. I was at Brother Gary and Sister Ashley's place of business this past Friday, and there was a lady in there that was absolutely acting up. I don't know how they dealt with it. Because there was something rising up in me. I said, I got to get out of here. But even when people like that show up and you don't like them, have you met my Jesus? You know that cousin you don't speak to at family reunions? Have you met my Jesus? We are crowd movers. We, as Grace Church Central, are crowd movers. You are a crowd mover. Say, everybody say, I am a crowd mover. You are a crowd mover. That's right. Go ahead, Allison. You're a crowd mover. Believe that, baby. Over the last several months, we have been challenged to dream big. I'm not going to do it. I wanted to ask everybody that has a big dream to raise your hand, but I'm not going to do that. But we have been challenged to dream big. And I believe that most everybody in this place has got something in their mind that they would like to see God do. And they would like to see accomplished in their life and they would like for to come true in their life but I believe uh, and I believe that this morning but I want to tell somebody if you have identified your big dream now we have to take that big dream and go big with it don't just be a dreamer but be a goer be a doer of the big dream that God gave you hallelujah Jesus said go ye therefore into all the world don't talk about it don't just think about it but go do it so whatever it is uh, that God is put in your mind and put in your heart as your big dream let's do it big for Jesus hallelujah everybody stand this morning I'm done no idea how long I've preached I meant to look at the clock and didn't whatever stands in your way this morning of going big with your big dream whatever it is whether it's fear, uncertainty of the future, kind of worried about the outcome, not, not, really, not really confident even that it's, it's God. Whatever stands in your way, if it's a spirit, depression, loneliness, all of those things, sickness, I want to tell you this morning, you, everybody say, I, I. you can be delivered of it today. It can happen today. I believe that. Does anybody else believe that? Somebody's going to be delivered today and Jesus is going to look at a devil and say no more. You don't bother her anymore. You don't bother him anymore. If it's a giant, it looms in front of you. Maybe it seems bigger than life. And you know that on your own, you'll never defeat it. I've got great news for you. There's a brook right up here. And there's five smooth stones in the name of Jesus. And you could walk up here and get them. And you could become a giant killer today. And you can walk out of this place victorious. You can walk out of this place with your head, hang, your head hung high and said, you know what? I'm a child of God. And I just killed a giant. And my little boy and my little girl and my Sunday school kids beside me are going to be giant killers. Because they just saw mama and they just saw daddy. And they just saw the Sunday school teacher kill their giant. And if it's a crowd that stands in your way, you want to be like the crowd. They just 
that keep you held back, you can move it. Oftentimes, people will give the reasons why they can't. I hear it a lot at work. It's all the reasons they can't. Brother Merrill, I appreciate what you said, but I can't do that because. Pastor, that was an awesome sermon, but I can't do that because. If that's you this morning, and you don't think that you can do any of these three things that I've talked about today, may I ask you a question? Have you met my Jesus? Because the Bible says, through Him, I can do all things. So this morning, we're going to open the altars. And if there's something you face that's spiritual, then I want you to come down here and I want you to look at it. You know what it is. I don't have to know. And say, have you met my Jesus? If it's a giant, if, there's, if you're just intimidated, it's just something is in front of you and you don't seem to be able to make forward progress, there's hurt in the past, there's pain, there's disappointment in the past, and you can't seem to move past it, you can't seem to get past that part in your life, I want you to come down here this morning, and I want you to look that in the face, and I want you to say, hurt, pain, have you met my Jesus? And if it's a crowd that's, that keeps you confused and disoriented, tell that crowd, have you met my Jesus? We're going to open the front right now. And I would to God that everybody in this building, I would that everybody in this building, y'all would start coming on down and start engaging those things and tell it, today is a place of no more. After I leave here today, no more will this bother me. No more is it going to affect me. In Jesus' name.